Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. How you doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday, the 22nd of February 2021 with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 311. Hope you're all healthy and doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going at Roadworks today, unfortunately. Though I've had a lucky break in that it has started raining, so the drilling right now is on hold. This road is so stupidly busy. I saw a guy outside this morning outside the building marking some of the pavement directly outside the building and I just assumed that it was another Thames Water guy because I think they're meant to be back yet again but I don't know who these guys are but they've closed off the road directly opposite as well and about an hour ago it was just incessant drilling and I thought what am I going to do how am I going to record this week's show because I don't think it would be fair to the listener to be listening to something with drilling in the background but you know I'm not feeling great I need to do the show now so the rain has been a bit of a lucky break the other option was record from the bedroom for the first time that would have meant it actually would have been the first time sorry difficulty with a swallow in there getting excited you know it would have been the first time that I've recorded from the bedroom since I've been living here, it would have been a throwback to the early days of podcasting, you know, when podcasters used to record from their bedrooms and, you know, 10, 15 years on, they're actually advertising mattresses, the irony, eh? But a lucky break then with the rain, so should be able to get through to the end of the show this week without the drilling. It does make the rest of my week difficult in terms of uh, interviews that I have lined up for the rest of the week. It's such a pain doing this football show because up until now, I've had to keep recording in the evenings. And I thought, well, the builders haven't been for a while. They're still scaffolding round the back of the building, but at least at the front of the building, the scaffolding's gone and most of the building work except for the flat directly below me seems to have finished. So it might be that there's more flexibility right now with the recording. But uh, I don't have that joy right now because I've got more road work. So the interview that is scheduled for tomorrow morning, I'm now going to have to look to push that back to the evening. I've just checked the BBC site for the weather and tomorrow is actually supposed to be a very bright day. So rain isn't going to get me out of trouble tomorrow. So I'm hoping to hear back from this uh, this writer who uh, is the guest on that particular episode, hoping that we can put that back. It was originally scheduled, I think, for Thursday or Friday and uh, I was on Zoom for an hour and they didn't show up, which was uh, frustrating. And uh, I wasn't feeling great. That could have been time where I was just um, in bed. And I get frustrated with myself that I haven't really rested properly when I should have uh, this last week. And uh, it's just been a, a long week. Unfortunately, I tested positive last week. If you listen to last week's show, I just had uh, I just been to the test center again for my second test and uh, 
struggled not to gag with the throat swabbing. I don't know, they're saying now that, uh, or they're putting forward the idea that they might have to test school kids regularly. I don't know how you're going to get a school kid to either swab their own throat if they're old enough or have their throat swabbed on a regular basis because it is extremely unpleasant. The swab up the nose, that's bad enough, but, you know, it's doable. The throat swab, awful, awful. I think the second time around it was worse for me because, the you know, that element of surprise from the first test just after Christmas, that had gone. And I really, uh, I really did struggle with that. So anyway, I tested, uh, I tested positive. When my aunt found out, the first thing she said was, shame we don't live nearby. We could go over and, you know, bring you some stuff. And I had to point out that even if I did live uh, nearby, that's not quite how self-isolating works. My vaccination has been cancelled twice now, which is, you know, typical of the way things seem to be going for me right now. I now have to wait for a uh, vaccine slot to become available from Thursday week, which shouldn't be a problem. I just have to be patient right now. I think there's a shortage of vaccines in the area, so uh, I've missed the current window. I'd had different information from three different um, healthcare people at the at the surgery. Uh, the first one had actually said, no, we'll need to check. The second one had said, yeah, you can go ahead the following day, the, the day after your isolation ends. But when I spoke to my doctor on Friday, he was surprised that I'd been told I could go ahead. He said, um, you know, you, you know, although you'll have come out of isolation, uh, you might suffer an adverse reaction to the vaccine. So really, you ought to wait a week. The thing that really has frustrated me about this virus and uh, well, my experience of it is that the symptoms, I completely miss the symptoms because the symptoms that I had, not enough is made of them. And I did relay this to Track and Trace, who've been an absolute pain calling me, even calling me at uh, 0800 hours on a Sunday morning. I didn't answer that. They finally called up with me in the afternoon. But seriously, uh, I get that you you want to call people and check up on them, that they're doing what they need to do. I've got no problem with that. It is a pain, but I've got no problem with it. But do you really expect someone to answer the phone? at 0800 hours on a weekend come on i mean that that makes no sense and um, there's a throat my phone has always been on silent anyway for the last 20 years so i'm certainly not going to hear that which is why it's on silent i guess i did say to them and and naturally i i was heartened to read that they are aware of that there was something on the news uh, last week that they're aware that a lot of people are having different symptoms and there is too much emphasis on the sore throat, on the loss of smell, and I can't remember what the other thing is. I think there's three things. Now, for me, loss of smell, I did have that, but because I've broken my nose now three or four times, I've lost count, loss of smell isn't a big one. I've got an acute sense of smell, but in terms of all-round smellability, my nose isn't the best and, you know... Last week, or towards, actually the week before last, the, the two or three days leading up to last Monday, I had a spell where my nose was just bunged up without actually being blocked. So if I'd blown my nose, there would have been nothing to blow, but my nose, it was just as if it would, it was just as if it had shut down. So I kept smearing Vicks under my nose. I'm just messing around with the levels here. So paranoid about this uh, mixer. Just can't get my levels right. It's really frustrating. Just means loads of work has to be done on the post-production side of things. And that's what I was hoping to get away from by bringing in all this equipment. So I kept smearing Vicks 
under my nose. And every 10, 15 minutes, I had to smear more. I was thinking, what is going on? Why can't I breathe through this nose? Uh, you know, is it just down to the five nose jobs? What is going on? And the other thing, looking back, and I told you about this last week, is I'd had a four-day migraine. In fact, I think I'd had half a day within those four days where the migraine had eased off, and I had pain in my neck, my shoulders were stiff, the back of my skull was hurting, and I was thinking, what's going on? And for me, the migraine was alarming because I'm on medication for life for migraines, and it's a very effective uh, medication. It took years to actually happen upon the right medication, lots of trial and error through hospitals and clinics. And so for me to be going down with a migraine out of the blue, and for four days, it was an absolute shocker. So there was the migraine, and there were waves of what I can only describe as a cold chill that seemed to have lodged itself in my bones, so that if I pushed my back into the back of this chair a week ago, my bones would hurt. And it was a chill like I'd never felt before. I think I've had it once or twice, basically, in the bathroom in this place during the winter, because that bathroom is so cold, but... This was in the front room or the bedroom, and I was thinking, what is this? What, what, what's going on? What, why do I have this chill? It comes and it goes. You know, it's only maybe three or four seconds, and then it's gone, but then it's coming back. So I had things that I didn't understand. And also, in my defense, because I take a lot of stick from people that know me, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a hypochondriac, but right from the beginning of this, I've said... And I've said it on here time and time again. It's going to be difficult not to get this. I live in a city of 9 million people. If anything, there have been times, even though I've been very careful, I was still going out too much to the shops, you know, once or twice a week. You know, I should have been doing once a week from the off. And uh, by the time I caught this, I was actually doing once every 10 or 11 days, you know, because I was I was aware that it was a risk, uh, an increased risk, certainly from December. And, you know, I've taken the odd bus. I bought things off, uh, off eBay. I've been to libraries, although in the last two or three months, you can't actually go into the libraries. But, you have, you know, I'm having to queue up to collect books and return books. And always, uh, you know, even before the pandemic, I use gloves anyway to read library books. It's a good job I'm using them for the current book, because some messy bugger has been eating while reading a library book, which has got to be one of the all-time big hygiene fails. I mean, you cannot eat. You shouldn't eat while reading a book anyway. Not if that book's going to go elsewhere. But you shouldn't be eating while reading a library book. That is just not hygienic. That's up there with um, eating on a bus, you know, touching the handrails and then, you know, eating with your hands, some chicken drumstick stuffed in your mouth. So I was looking at situations where I might have taken a a few risks. And also then I was looking at the fact that uh, couriers tend to bring stuff right up to the door and hand it to you. They're not wearing gloves. You know, I'm, you know, I'm wearing gloves when I, when I've opened the door to them and uh, keep my gloves on when I'm cutting up the envelopes and, uh, you know, clean everything, wash it, run it under the tap with washing up liquid and antibacterial wipes. And I've got a bleach spray as well. So I've been unlucky, I think, with this. I've been lucky in terms of how mild the symptoms have been once I got past the initial stage. But my point is, because I'm a hypochondriac, I think people like me who were already regularly washing their hands, washing my hands too much, you know, 
Oh, there we go. There's the drilling back, so it must have stopped raining. Um, you just have to bear with me. I'm afraid I'm too far into this. Uh, as I think I might have mentioned at the start, had I recorded in the bedroom just on my phone, you would have heard trains in the background. I can't work out which is the lesser of the two audio evils, so I'm just going to have to go ahead, and hopefully you'll find my content uh, today so compelling the drilling won't matter, but I do apologise for it. And obviously now I'm going to struggle to remember my thread. Now. What was I going to say? This it doesn't take much to rattle me, does it? So my symptoms, that's it. That's what I was going to say. I've made a point of not being a hypochondriac about the virus. I've done all I can. I didn't think I'd be able to outrun it for as long as I have, if I'm honest with you. In fact, there were times early on last year, you know, when we were all paranoid, where I was convinced I had it at two, on you know two or three occasions, and I didn't. And this time, I did when I didn't actually. Uh, think I had it. But from the beginning, I've just thought, well, I've got to still try and just just exist. You know, uh, I'm, you know, hygiene has always been a strong thing for me. So that's an advantage. And uh, I can't be paranoid. We're all in this situation. It, it's the same for everyone. I've just got to be careful and not be stressed out by it. And I think I've done really well. I really do. It would have surprised me if a year ago you'd have told me that I could have functioned from the the, the point of view from in terms of the fear of catching this thing. I think I dealt with that really, really well. And it goes back to that thing I've said before, the writer John Ronson at the start of this, he's also a hypochondriac and he said that it was... He was struck by the fact that from early on in this pandemic, it was the hypochondriacs who were dealing with this better than normal people. And I think there's something in that because I've dealt with this really well. So when I started to feel unwell, I just assumed, and not incorrectly, I think, well, incorrectly, yes, and as far as I was actually wrong, but I think within reason, I was right to believe that I had some sort of bug, not the virus, because my symptoms didn't tally out with what they keep emphasizing, you know, the sore throat, the loss of smell, you know. It's like when you're on medication, okay, and you're looking at the list of side effects that your tablets are going to give you, or potential side effects. There's always the top ones, but there's about a 100 on there. You keep reading the entire leaflet. You might find that you're... Uh, what you're experiencing is about 80th on the list. And you think, ah, so that means it's not really a big side effect. So if I say to my doctor, look, I'm experiencing this particular issue on these pills, they're going to say, well, that's very, very rare. That might just be uh, some underlying issue you've got anyway that has coincidentally surfaced whilst you're on these pills. So it's a bit like that, but obviously we're not talking 80 side effects. We're talking maybe there's at least a dozen or more symptoms that I think they need to make a bigger deal out of so people can be aware that maybe they need to get tested. And I did not have that. You know, I did not have that. I, it didn't cross my mind until the Saturday evening that maybe I might have the virus and that it was going to be an idea to go and get tested first thing on the Monday. So on the Sunday, I booked my appointment, did the right thing. I had to wait just 12 hours this time rather than the five days I had to wait over Christmas and the New Year period. And uh, I was still awake because I wasn't feeling well. And I got this text came through at one in the morning. It was quite a moment. There was shock, but also I wasn't shocked. You know, it, it, it was a bit of both. But the shock side of it was, wow, this thing, this thing finally caught up with me. 
And of course, you, you, you start thinking, well, how did I get this when I've been so careful? But it's just, it's just near impossible to outrun this thing. And, you know, I've had uh, two or three people ask me in the last week, yeah, but how did you get it? Where did you get it? I had the space daddy say that to me. And I was surprised, really, because, you know, that's, that's the cleverest guy I know. And uh, I texted him back and said, you know, we're, we're living in a city of nine million people, you know. And I thought that's the wrong guy. Uh, to send that kind of text to, you know, a writer, a writer who can quote his own work, a writer who, as he pointed out when he called me right away, has written books about this city. And he was saying to me, do you think that you can say that to me? You know, I've written books about this city. Nobody knows more about this city than me. And so uh, he went off on one. And uh, this is a guy who still gets into lifts. He lives on the third floor and he gets a lift everywhere, doesn't use stairs. As he says, we've moved on from stairs. He doesn't do stairs. He's pushing 20 stone, and he doesn't do stairs. He got a bus for one stop the other week to go and get a kebab near his house, and he still hasn't got this virus. He keeps telling me he's had a good COVID, and here's me being, you know, I, I kind of wonder, I suspect that my fitness levels, I, I suspect that getting fit in the way that I have in the last 20 months probably helped me if this had happened before June 2018 or 2019. Well, I keep forgetting it's 2021. If it had happened then, I might have struggled a bit. And it's a, it's quite a thing to think you've got something that has killed millions of people. And I certainly, the early symptoms, I certainly wouldn't have wanted to experience them as an elderly person. You can appreciate why this thing has been so deadly. But overall, you know, my, my symptoms have been mild. I don't think I would have been caught out like this had, um, had, there been a bigger spotlight on some of the lesser mentioned COVID symptoms. So I can look at myself and say, well, I was probably out for an extra three or four days that I shouldn't have been out. I should have got tested before that, but I, I was genuinely clueless about this. And, you know, even when I got the kettle on the Saturday from Argos, click and collect, you know, you can't help thinking, well, how many people have I taken out with this but regardless of what stage your diagnosis comes through or, or what stage you get tested at you know you're going to take someone out that's that's the way this thing works it's just should I have taken out as many people as I probably have no but would that have happened had the advice had the guidance been better no it wouldn't have so um, you know I'm not going to be hard on myself for that you know I, once I suspected that I might have it then I acted but uh, I would just say if you're feeling a bit odd, I, I would describe the symptoms that I had. Any, any similarities with the flu, say like a sore throat or a blocked nose or, or whatever symptoms that could be just a flu or a, a winter cold, I would say the way that I would make the distinction between COVID and a normal flu as we have known it is that the COVID symptoms seem... They seem a bit sharper, like when my throat was sore, it wasn't the most sore throat I've ever had. It was nowhere, nowhere near as painful as tonsillitis, for instance, but my throat felt pinched just on one side on the left, and there was a strange taste as well. I can't describe the taste. Actually, it reminded me a bit of when I was taking sleeping pills in 2012 when everything started tasting a bit metallic, but again, not as bad as that. So they were... 
there were symptoms that are that were new to me, but symptoms that again I just attributed to a normal flu because we must still have a normal flu, and I've got through this winter without going down with the flu. So we can only hope that these uh, COVID vaccines, uh, which, uh, as I say, I'm currently unable to get, we can only hope that the COVID vaccines are as successful as uh, the flu vaccines. I've certainly not rested enough. I remain unmotivated and I've taken very, very small steps to try and get back on the writing. But, you know, that's not going to happen while I'm uh, isolating. You know, as soon as I do this, I'm going back to bed. And uh, I do apologize for that drilling. Just incredible. It really does mess up the other show as well. It just means that I'm having to work evenings again. I haven't rested enough this week, but I'm making a point of resting for much of what's left of the isolation. Right now, I'm worrying about putting the bins out after this show because, you know, I live on the top floor. There are eight flats, I think, in this building. I worry about running into neighbors when I'm meant to be isolating. I'm not going to tell them, hey, look, get back in your flat. I've got the virus. I have to live here. I just want to be careful and make sure no one steps out. Also, today, it might look like bad form. If someone sees me out there, I'm not actually, you know, I'm not actually putting all the bins out because it's bins day tomorrow in Lambeth. But, you know, one, I don't have the energy to be putting all those bins out. And two, I don't really want to be touching the bins, even though I will be gloved up. I don't want to be touching them when other people have to touch them. And, you know, I don't want to be putting the bins out on the pavement. It's a narrow pavement. There's a bus stop there. There might be people there. I don't want to be endangering anyone, basically. But at the same time, uh, given the amount of mouse traps that are currently in this flat and given, uh, if you listen to show 310, the possibility there may be a clever rodent in the flat now, touch wood, I hope that's not true. You know, I'm not going to be leaving my bins in the flat until, you know, my isolation is over. So I've been putting the bins out every couple of days. It is tricky because I'm on the top floor, so I've got to go down two levels. Anyone could be coming out of the, the, their flats at that particular time. Most of them uh, don't wear their masks. It's only the two women on the ground floors, uh, on the ground floor rather singular, who both wear their uh, masks. I think the younger people living on the middle floors, they don't bother. Uh, I don't want to be jeopardizing anyone now that I know what I've got. But at the same time, I've got to find a way of getting down there. Yesterday, was it? No, Saturday evening, I put the bin out just before doing the Calzone uh, conversion. And as soon as I came in, as soon as I got back into the flat, I heard a, a door open downstairs and someone was leaving again. And, you know, there are definitely one or two neighbors who are just out all the time. They've certainly been going out more than once. So it, it is a risk. You know, if I find myself on that middle floor, and I've committed to going out and someone's coming up the stairs or, you know, someone's leaving from the middle floor as well. What do I do? I'm stuck out there. I just have to go through with it. I have to put the rubbish out. Bit of a quandary. But that's uh, that's something I'm being uh, that, that, that I am concerned about right now. Can't head out for a run then until Thursday. That's going to be difficult. It'll be the first uh, the first run in under three weeks. I was doing badly anyway before I had to stop running, so that first run is going to be a difficult run. But in a way, also looking forward to it. I'll try not to put too much pressure on myself, but I just need to get out, get some fresh air, and get a good workout. I have still been exercising indoors every couple of days, which probably isn't the right thing to do when your body's uh, got a virus. But, uh, you know, I just don't want to risk overeating and not doing any exercise. I was a bit concerned about... Uh, 
running out of supplies in terms of food, I was okay. But, you know, the basics like bread and, and milk, I was worried about that. I started juggling my milk around because I, I think last week I told you I was sitting on about uh, 10 or 12 pints that all had an expiry date, a very tight expiry date. There was no way I was going to drink all that milk in time. So I've started freezing milk again. And at one point I actually found... Uh, four pints of milk that I'd forgotten I'd frozen. I'm assuming I froze it a year ago because the expiry date was the 24th of February. And uh, that would have been 2020 because I, I put another two bottles of milk in there when I found that one. But I'm wondering how to defrost that milk because my experience of defrosting milk isn't great. How long do you have to finish that milk? And uh, I, I saw a tweet from someone recommending that well, they'd actually tweeted me recommending that um, that I defrost it in the fridge. I think it was Eamon, actually, who gave me the idea to freeze the milk. So that was the right thing. I hadn't done it for a while. But then this other uh, person uh, tweeted us and said, uh, recommended that the milk should be defrosted whilst in the fridge. And uh, I hope that I've got more than a day to drink four pints because that is a lot even uh, for me. My sister, anyway, put my mind to rest. She did a, a shot for me. Also, you know, one or two kind people on uh, Twitter, and I appreciate it. They, they'd message me offering to do a shot for me because they were local as well. And, uh, you know, that kindness sometimes of strangers is, is appreciated. I didn't take them up on it, but it was appreciated. And, you know, sometimes Twitter still reminds you that it can be a, a good place. So on Friday, uh, Friday evening, uh, my sister's shop came. That was very kind of her. And, uh, you know, I took loads of bags down. And unusually for me, had to put the bags down on the communal hallway. They all got wiped afterwards. But uh, I bagged everything up. I didn't know that my sister had included a, a couple of Cornish pasties. One got squashed. You know, I wasn't really thinking about where I was putting the stuff. It's the first time I've taken in a delivery since I've lived here in all the years I've lived here. It's not something I've done before. Um, but, you know, it means that the next few days are going to be a bit easier. And, uh, you know, I appreciated the um, the gesture. I also found out last week that uh, she drives. There you go. Didn't even know my sister uh, drives. I didn't even know actually where she lived. It was actually only a uh, an, ex an exchange with Mincy Matt, who's based out in the same part of the world as my sister. And I genuinely didn't know when Matt asked me whereabouts she was in the Emirates. I just knew that she was in the Emirates. I remember that about a year ago, I still thought she was in Saudi Arabia. And uh, quite uh, understandably, she was upset that I didn't know that she'd left Saudi Arabia three years ago. And it was a big step to ask her, well, whereabouts in the Emirates are you? But I just thought that, well, I've got into this conversation with Matt. It might look like I don't want to say where she is, but I genuinely don't know where she is. I know that her flight to London and then from London back to the Emirates was to Dubai and uh, I asked one of my cousins they said that she was near Dubai but not in Dubai so that narrowed it down and then I just found an excuse because you know my sister's been messaging me every day to see how I am I just I, I, I kind of I can't remember how I led into it but I asked her where she was yeah, no, I thought, well, she's told me that she drives. Well, the next stage is to normalize this. Let's find out where she lives. And uh, she told me it was a weird place. I'd never heard of it. 
And in fact, she gave me the acronym for it. I didn't know what it stood for. But I was able to then say to Matt, oh, this is where she is. And, uh, you know, Matt being Matt, you know, being a, I think, if you have a look at his Instagram, he, he strikes you as a, a, a bit of a triathlete swimming in choppy gulf waters, mountain biking, running. And uh, I realized that some of his pictures in the mountains when he's cycling, I think, as he was last week, uh, are actually in the territory where my sister lives which looks a bit like the Wild West, really very, very mountainous. And uh, my sister had said that that is why she had to start driving out there because it's a place where you need a car. And I saw those um, pictures of uh, Matt with all the mountains and I thought, yeah, I can I can see that. And then there's me thinking I had it bad when I lived a mile from Windsor, which was, you know, in the middle of nowhere. But uh, there were no mountains, just lots of trees and uh, brooks and whatever, little rivers, you know. You know, I have a thing about ponds. I always had a thing about ponds. It's one reason why, the only reason probably that I would have liked to have had a garden would have been just to have a pond and to see how quickly building a pond from scratch attracts wildlife. That was the only good thing about living in this village, Datchet, that I was surrounded by, you know, ponds, uh, I think lakes, uh, the, uh, a picturesque part of the river. I don't know how I got onto that from mountains to rivers. That's it. Let's go into a sting. You're listening to Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available episode 311. Very quickly, I, I forgot to say, there is this uh, misnomer. Oh, I might have said it already. The, the, the misnomer, have I said it? The misnomer about immunity, that if you have the virus, you're immune from getting it again for another six months. I was going around thinking that as well. And my cousin's wife, the nurse, uh, put me right on that. And um, my GP confirmed that. So I've heard it from a few people who think that they, they're okay, they don't need to get the virus for another six months because they've just had the virus and they're protected. Well, that's rubbish, you know. And and yes, you know, I, I'll admit I was one of those who believed that because I'd heard it from a, a number of people. As someone said to me on Twitter at the weekend, people just seem to be making things up as they go along with regards to this virus. Anyway, uh, do please follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at 1607westegg, facebook.com forward slash DRT available. All my work is available at com. There are PayPal and coffee.com links on there if you want to make uh, a one-off donation to the show. Any donations, everything comes right back into this work. Most importantly, of course, the best way to support this work is via the Patreon page. Sign up at patreon.com forward slash DRT available regular bonus episodes. There's a back catalogue, I think, of about 40 or 50 bonus episodes on that Patreon page. For all those of you who are still hanging on in there supporting the Patreon page, it is appreciated and it does keep this show going. And also, as I say every week, if you enjoy this podcast, and I took a risk last week, which backfired, but if you enjoy this podcast, I'd appreciate a good review on Apple Podcasts, which is, you know, crucial for indie shows like this. And as I said last week, if the huge shows go to the bother of asking their listeners for such reviews, then shows at the absolute opposite end of the spectrum, such as this, 
if it's even at the opposite end of the spectrum, it may be the other side of, of that. Um, you know, shows like this need to ask for those uh, positive reviews too. So please do rate, review and subscribe to the show if you enjoy it. Unfortunately for me in this show, last week's message asking for uh, decent reviews if you enjoy the show, it meant that the show ended up getting three one-star reviews in the same week, which is, you know, it just struck me as a bit malicious. If you enjoy the show, that's what I said, because I don't need to run the risk that you don't enjoy the show and give it a bad review, because I don't have many reviews. So this is not a big show with hundreds and hundreds of reviews or thousands of reviews and, you know, a handful of bad reviews, uh, you know, the show can override that it's barely picked up any reviews in its nine years so to suddenly get three one-star reviews inside a couple of days those bad reviews are there for life and that will harm the show so that just struck me as a bit malicious one you think okay it's still bad form do these people not understand the impact of a bad review what it can do to an indie creator if you don't enjoy the show absolutely fine just move on find something else i'll recommend some shows to you get in touch i'll recommend some shows that you might enjoy tell me what you like but don't destroy the show in the process because you have no idea the amount of hours that go into this show the, the chunk of my life that has gone into this show, the sacrifices that I've made for this show, and quite frankly, the negative impact this show has had on my life overall. You know, the, the negative impact that podcasting has had on my life when I, you know, I could have been doing other stuff and probably been a happier person. So when you're leaving a show, a bad review, whether it's this one or, or, or another one, especially if they're a small indie show, do try and comprehend the consequences of your malicious words you might say well he's thin-skinned well i am thin-skinned because i don't have a big audience if i had a big audience i'd have to have a, a, a thicker skin because of course you know there's gonna be a few slingshots coming my way you can't be loved by everyone but this is a, a you know this is a tiny tiny audience so a negative review will only cause harm, and, and that is what's happened, and those negative reviews are, are now there for uh, the lifespan of this show, and that is uh, really disappointing. And that's it. Let's get on with the rest of the show, uh, what's left of it. Uh, before I forget, shout outs uh, to Minty Matt uh, for uh, checking up on me last week. That was appreciated. Eamon as well. Uh, Eamon's What Goes Around podcast that he does with fellow DJ Ann is returning with a second series, I'm assuming, soon. In the meantime, if you're familiar with their show, there are 20 episodes in their back catalogue, all available from the usual places. I think the last one I heard was The Christmas Show, if I'm right. I don't think they've had any shows since then, so I'm assuming that they're working hard on their second series. And if you want to see how much work can go into a podcast on the post-production side listen to their show it's brilliantly edited but as someone who does this for well pretty much all the time i listen to their show and uh yeah the editing there is a lot of editing there that's that's a lot of hours and love going into that show the back catalog is available from all the usual places they've already managed to get more reviews in their 20 odd episodes than this shambolic 
show has. And guess what? No negative reviews either. If you don't like a podcast, fine, move on. As I say, it's not for you. But don't destroy the work if it's an indie show scratching out an audience. So anyway, uh, shout-outs to, to Matt and uh, to Eamon uh, for uh, for his uh, kind uh, review for the uh, football show. I thought there wouldn't be much to talk about today because of the self-isolating, but I do appear to be talking an awful Lots. There seems to be a pause in the drilling right now as I look to wind this show up. Okay, what have I missed? Okay, I'm trying to sort out technical issues. I'm I'm trying to um, play around with a mixer here today. I've upped the gain on my mic, which means I need to bring the gain, sorry, the fader down on my mic. One thing that worries me... What am I talking about? Uh, yes, I, I might need to buy some more equipment for the football show, which is a pain. I still cannot get a cable that will enable me to record guests via WhatsApp. And even using WhatsApp web doesn't work. And it just, if I had an iPhone, not that I want to get an iPhone. If I had an iPhone, I wouldn't have this problem because you can get the cable for the iPhone. I've now got three cables for this phone to sort out WhatsApp interviews. I do wonder if that in the end is how I got the virus. But I've had to return all the cables. Uh, they're all incorrect. I've tried everything to try and get the WhatsApp working so that I can record calls and I can record myself and a guest, but the guest can't hear me, which is a problem, uh, as I'm sure you can imagine. If you're, if you're doing an interview, you want the guest to be able to hear you, ideally. So I don't know how I'm going to resolve that, but it means that a bunch of interviews are currently on hold and... Um, the football show is proving, uh, proving even very hard to grow. The editing would be made easier if I sort out. It's either some equipment that I already have that I spent £350 on that I haven't even used. Uh, I haven't even touched it since the building work went ahead. It all went into a box and it's not in order anymore. There's lots of pieces that go with it. And I know that I'm going to struggle with putting it all back together. So I don't know if that bit of equipment itself will make the post-production side of things a lot easier for me or if I need to buy this interface which is about £100 to do that because each week I'm spending three days putting together the interviews and uh, this mic's great if I'm talking like this on my own it's not great via Zoom it makes the post-production side of things really really difficult and uh, the mic just doesn't seem great when you're interacting with a guest so you know, three days a week on a football show with low downloads just goes to show. I think without advertising and without, you know, regular reviews, it is very difficult to grow a show regardless of how good it is. And uh, therefore to be spending, you know, five days a week just doing podcasting, whether it's this show, whether it's uh, the live show on a Friday night, which in itself is having problems in terms of getting an audience, or whether it's the football show, it, it's not great. I've got to find a way to scale all this back because, you know, principally, I'm a writer. I don't want to be doing podcasting. You know, I'm a writer first and foremost. So uh, there, are, there are things for me uh, to ponder. Okay, uh, books. You know, thinking, I, I did say how I might have caught this, uh, you know, wondered about eBay purchases, library, vis uh, library visits, I'm slurring a lot today, library visits, uh, although I think I told you earlier, I don't go into the library, you go up, you drop your books in a crate that you're returning and then you give them your card number and they go out and bring the books that you're collecting, but who knows, uh, who knows uh, 
how I might have caught this. My uh, I did tear a latex glove yesterday, and I'm running low on supplies. Uh, so that's something for me to consider. I think I can hear a police siren in the background. It seems to have um, died down now. I'm reading A Rising Man by Abir Mukherjee. It's the first book in the series. I started um, back to front, unusually for me. It was a speculative pickup in the library. Oh, there we go. There it is. Blind spot. Start right outside and uh, right outside the building and uh, ruin another indie podcast episode. So I picked the first book up in the autumn. I really enjoyed it. It turned out to be the last book in the series so far. So I'm now reading the first one. It's A Rising Man by Abir Mukherjee. He's a Scottish writer. The blurb for it, India 1919, desperate for a fresh start. Captain Sam Wyndham arrives to take up an important post in Calcutta's police force. He is soon called to the scene of a horrifying murder. The victim was a senior official and a note left in his mouth warns the British to leave India or else with the stability of the empire under threat. Wyndham and Sergeant Surrender not Banerjee must solve the case quickly, but there are some who will do anything to stop them. It is very good. I'm really enjoying them and uh, thankfully they're standalone novels. So the fact that I read the last one first, I don't think is uh, causing too much of a problem right now. I've also got the second and third books here in the flat from the library as well so uh, enjoying it and that's what i'm going to be doing the rest of the day today once i upload this show i'm just going to try and rest and um, try and respect the fact that my body's going through it right now i'm actually far more concerned about uh, the, the the blood tests because um, i spoke to the doctor on friday and obviously he'd heard by then that i had the virus so he spent a great deal of time talking to me about the virus when I didn't actually care too much about the virus other than knowing when uh, I could get my vaccine. You know, I'm more concerned, as I've said, about uh, the blood tests. And uh, he he finished talking to me about the virus and uh, he said, OK, well, uh, have a good day and try and rest. And I went, uh, I said, oh, yes, yes, the blood results. And I'm thinking, you know, I've been waiting more than a week now for the second results. And anyway, the um, it's not looking too clever there. So... I've got to find a way to, to put it all to the back of my mind, but I've been called in for a face-to-face uh, consultation and, uh, and an, uh, an examination that uh, promises to be extremely thorough and unpleasant on the 8th of March. And I uh, do have a bad feeling about this. I think the solitude, the depression of the last year, the deepening depression, because things were bad enough before that, but I, I think that that mental strife has translated into something physical and it's amazing how if your head isn't right it will just break down your body and I think that yeah concerned about that and I think that in a way meant has meant that this virus hasn't been that big a deal for me I don't want to be blasé about it because you know, it's it's still a big thing to have got this, and I'm I'm disappointed that I got it. Um, you know, partly also mentally, just just that competitive side of me, the sporty side of me, to to not reach a year without catching it. I think to get so close to that first year, you know, as it's winding down as well, you know, as the numbers are coming down, lo and behold, always late to the party, Mister Podcaster gets the virus, but far more concerned about the um, 
uh, what's coming up with the GP and uh, these uh, the, the second lot of blood tests. And of course, you know, one or two people telling me understandably, because that's what you've got to do. You've got to, you know, forget about it. You can't do anything about it. As the space daddy said, don't worry in ignorance because you don't even know what you're worrying about. But you know when something's not right with your body. It's, it's a really subtle feeling. It's a curious thing. And, uh, you know, can't help thinking about Lopez as well in uh, the last uh, year or so of his life. It does uh, prey on your mind. Let's uh, move on from that uh, that grimness. Uh, catching up on Star Wars fixtures of, uh, over the weekend, of course, I've got no um, nectar points to bring you because I'm isolating. I did get a Tesco club card, by the way, though, um, last week, because I thought I was going to have to do my own shop, and I thought, well, I, I couldn't get a slot with Sainsbury's. I thought I'd try Tesco's, couldn't get a slot with Tesco's. Plus, they charge £7 to bring your shopping. Uh, I, I think I'd rather have starved if my sister hadn't ridden to the rescue. I think I'd have rather starved and pay £7. I could have got, you know... I think I probably could have got a couple of Star Wars figures via eBay uh, for £7. Okay. So in the Champions League, no, this is the FA Cup, two outstanding FA Cup uh, last 16 fixtures, sec- all second division clashes. Nat Huth, see, I, you heard the hesitation there. I think it's Huth. I can't read my writing. Nat Huth versus Ord Montel and uh, 3-3, a last second equaliser from the home team means that there is at least one replay from the uh, the last 16 ties both teams went into the draw on Saturday evening and in the other game a comfortable win for Hosnian Prime away from home at Fellows second division team Lothu Minor the draw for the FA Cup was made on Saturday evening let me bring that to you this is the quarter final draw Tatooine of the holders they're away at Hosnian Prime so a potential banana skin there for Tatooine at second division Hosnian Prime Nat Hirth or Ord Montel will meet fellow second division side Lyra San which means the first time ever in Star Wars football's 38-year history, there will be one second division side in the last four. X-Wing, meantime, they're at home to Rebels, and there's a, a derby match between Empire and Hearth. So that's the draw. Moving on to uh, Champions League fixtures. Saturday night, Champions League Group B. Holders Tatooine uh, won 3-0 at Yavin 4 uh, they cannot be caught at the top of their Group uh, B table. Uh, they've got nine points and a goal difference of plus 10, yet to concede any goals. EOS Prime have already qualified in second place. They're on six points. Tatooine and EOS Prime meet in the final fixture uh, in the next uh, week, possibly. And uh, in Champions League, Group A, Endor, the, the Dutch equivalent really in star wars football with their free flow in total football uh they won 3-1 at shaco minor they're now top of group a on goal difference alderaan and endor both on seven points both on plus five goal difference but endor are top by uh dint of having scored seven goals uh to alderaan six they meet in the final fixture which will decide who goes into the quarterfinals as uh group winners alderaan will have to beat endor to do that those two teams have met three times previously in the champions league over the last three silver age seasons and all three games have been a draw so it should be a good game and hopefully the champions league finally catches fire and that is it that is the end of today's show do please get those shoulders back keep on walking towards the sun keep washing those hands i'm daniel ruiz tyson and this start of the week i have been available (laughs) 